You're watching The Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. You're listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on The Sports Objective. Join Coach C, a USA Strength and Conditioning Hall of Famer, every Monday night to see in a variety of guests, including former players, former and current coaches, pastors, and others will discuss relevant issues in coaching today's athlete with the goal of equipping the athlete and those coaching them with the physical, mental, and spiritual armor necessary to live their best life. Here's Coach Connors. Uh, welcome to Absolute Empowerment with Jeff Connors. Uh, tonight we have a very special guest. I'm extremely honored and privileged uh, to have Kevin Colbert on uh, this evening. Uh, most recently, Vice President, General Manager for the Pittsburgh Steelers from 2016 to 2022. Uh, General Manager from 2010 to 2016. Director of Football Operations from 2000 to 2010. Uh, Kevin, that's that's about what 2021 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers, and uh, just so happy to have you in the house. Uh, thanks so much, Jeff. I mean, it was 22 years, and you know, they flew by, but I was very, very fortunate to, to you know to be able to work for the Steeler organization for that amount of time because it's it's a special group, and um, you really, really enjoy that experience. And I, again, I was very fortunate to be a part of it. Well, we'll talk a little bit about uh, a common friend of ours who kind of put us together, uh, Bert Hill. You know, Bert uh, is one of the finest people I've ever met in coaching or in the world. And I still talk to Bert uh, frequently. He had a great career as a strength and conditioning coach and also a defensive line coach. And uh, actually, uh, Bert was between jobs. And uh, I said, well, Bert, I've got an assistant job open in East Carolina. And, and uh, I was I was shocked, but he came on board. And so we, we just had a great time together and became really good friends. So, uh, uh, you know, very happy for that contact and kind of putting us together. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to mention a little bit about the fact that you had been, uh, you know, you started your career as a scout. And I, I think that was, was, was that with the Dolphins? Yeah, I actually started out with uh for a year and a half and then i transferred over i uh, got hired by the miami dolphins for five years as a college scout on the east coast and then i met up with bert when we were up in detroit with the lions and i was director of pro scouting court bert was our was our strength coach but he also you know helped out with lamar leachman on our defensive line and since that time like you jeff bert and i have been very good friends, and he's just a great, he's a great person, but he's a great football person. Uh, he loves the game of football, and he'll do whatever he can um, to be part of that game and make that game better. Yes, sir. Uh, Kevin, we got a little bit of static on your end. Uh, maybe just check your volume, check your connection there. Uh, uh, not too bad, but uh, let's go ahead and check it maybe. But uh, also, you know, me growing up in Western Pennsylvania, of course, this is special for me to, to in, in that respect, to talk to you because I've been in North Carolina for about, uh, you know, 30 some years now, uh, a little bit over 30 years. Uh, so you went to North Catholic High School, is that correct? I went to North Catholic High School. I, you know, I played three sports there, not very good at any of them. I played football, baseball, <laughs> and hockey. I was just, you know, one of those kids that liked to play like to play sports and be involved. Um, right. Fortunately, you know, the football experience I got there and the people I met there uh, helped me really along the line. Um, back then, the Art Rooney Jr. who headed up the Steelers personnel department uh, with all the great teams in the 70s, you know, the Rooneys went to North Catholic and they used to hire, um, they used to hire North Catholic coaches to help them grade film because their staff wasn't that big. They graded pro film and the guys that did a good job, they, you know, they recommended the Blesto and eventually they ended up in the league. And that was, that was my tie through a gentleman named Ron Hughes. And I'm sure you, you crossed paths with many times. Um, you know, Ron was my mentor. Uh, he was my high school football coach, uh, along with Joe Bashosky, who preceded Ron at North Catholic. They were great, you know, football people, and they got into the scouting world, and they brought myself and, and many others into this into this endeavor. Right. 
Well, you know, my dad was a head coach, head football coach at Beth Center, Ringgold and Bell Vernon. And, uh, you know, he won the WPIL twice. And uh, so, uh, you know, I took him back up there to induct his uh, 1975 team here not too long ago. And, uh, you know, we had a great trip and uh, it was kind of tough for him to make the trip. You know, he's 86 uh, and his entire staff has passed away. He was the only one left. So, you know, we just had a great visit. So it's always really great to get back up there. And uh, so I wanted to just mention some of our common uh, people we may know uh, commonly. Of course, uh, the guys that I coached that became Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, you know, through their careers at the collegiate level, Jeff Reed and uh, Greg Warren, uh, Willie Parker, uh, Cam Thomas, uh, Cal Jolly. And, you know, I played uh, football at Salem, West Virginia, the same place Jack Delaplane played. You know, uh, of course, you know, he was he was graduating. He was still there training when I came in. So I got to know Jack and Jack. Jack's brother, Jim, was my roommate. You know, and of course, uh, Jack passed on here recently, which was shocking because, you know, I saw him at our last reunion, which wasn't that long ago. You know, and then when I when I taught high school down in Florida and I was a offensive coordinator and head wrestling coach at a private school. I had Pat Rooney's kids, uh, you know, Chris and Tom, and I don't know how many more there were, but, uh, you know, and I also used to uh, kind of babysit their house when they were out of town. So Pat came back one time. He said, well, I don't know what to give you. How about I give you the chief's place for the weekend over on Palm beach. And so I was like, Oh my God, you know, that would be incredible. So, uh, you know, when I walked in the door and was able to use the Chiefs place, uh, you know, for the weekend, man, that was that was incredible. So. Uh, so, yeah, some some common uh, acquaintances we have. Uh, no doubt, Jeff. And, and, you know, I mean, Western Pennsylvania, the, the football um, here, Friday nights are still special. I mean, you know, the, the, the school districts aren't quite as big. You know, a lot of them have shrunk when the steel kind of shrunk, but there's still that in, intensity in the rivalries within the, the high school football world. It's a great world. And as you mentioned, you grew up in it with your father coaching all those years. And, and when you come home, you may have been gone for 30 years, but you'll run into somebody that yeah. knows your dad or knows you. And it's like, you just, you know, you just saw them 10 minutes ago because they pick up right where you left off. And, sure. you know, even like the Roonies were family in Florida, and as you mentioned, Greg Warren and Jeff Reed being a part of, things we were able to accomplish here, um, there's a commonality. And, you know, the commonality is the love of football and, and trying to win football games. But just the, the importance of the game, like you said, it's been an important part of your life. It's an important part of my life. But, you know, and for when you come from Western Pennsylvania, no matter how good you were, um, it's ingrained in you that the football is a very important part of our culture. And I'm very proud and again, happy that I was able to be part of it. No question. I wouldn't trade it for anything. No doubt about that. And, uh, you know, I got, I came up there with Willie, you know, when he was coming to his first uh, camp and, uh, you know, he had signed as a free agent and uh, I actually brought him up there, uh, introduced him to some people around where I grew up. You know, I, I actually took him up to, I think Jefferson Morgan high school and used their field, took him through a speed, you know, uh, <laughs> some speed, uh, training before he reported and you know people were saying well you know Willie uh, we're happy to see you up here you probably won't last very long and and uh you know as a free agent and uh I had timed Willie at Carolina at a 434 and I took that into Gary Tranquil and uh you know Gary was like ah you know I I don't know if Willie runs a 434 I don't know if that's if that's right I'm like yeah well I think it's pretty it's pretty on you know so uh yeah. You know, well, I think he ran a four two eight maybe for the Steelers, and you know had the longest run in Super Bowl history, so that wasn't too bad. No, nah, Willie was a big, big part of of our you know of our success, and as you mentioned, he still has the longest run in Super Bowl history. Yeah, uh, but when you know when we signed Willie as a free agent, you know, one of the first times I I met him, he said, "Well, I'm going to play, I'm going to make Pro Bowl," and I was like, "Yeah, okay, you're going to make the team." He goes, "No, no." He was saying Pro Bowl, you oh. know, and I, I wasn't listening. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he got my attention real quick when we yep. saw him on the field because you could see he was different. 
And, you yeah. know, when he was at Carolina, he played in a three-way rotation, and he lost some playing time down there because he put the ball on the ground a couple times, and he'll yeah. be the first to tell you that he worked to correct that problem. And he turned himself into a Super Bowl champion. Yeah. Really a great pro. We still see each other here and there. He'll come through for some different alumni events. And then he, uh, he attends a couple camps where I work in the summer. And Willie's just a great young man. That I, Again, very proud and, and happy that we were able to spend some time together. No question. You know, when he'd come – Home in the summer, he'd come in the morning, run 16 110s with one group, come back in the afternoon, run 16 110s with another group, and then, uh, you know, run with the sled in the sand, you know, with sprints in the sand with the sled. So, uh, yeah, he, he worked really hard. I was really proud of him also. So great stuff. So, you know, I want to get to the heart of what we want to discuss. Uh, you know, we, we know that current and former student athletes can be dealing with various life issues you know, that may prevent them from graduating or achieving their potential. And, you know, I always had kind of like the 10% rule where if I had 100 kids, uh, you know, I could count on 10 of them, maybe a little bit more, having some form of troubled, uh, some form of trouble in their lives, something they were dealing with, uh, something that was keeping them back from their, you know, reaching their potential. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, these these kids had multiple problems. A lot of times they'd get involved with, you know, smoking marijuana, testing positive for marijuana several times. You know, of course, I saw a lot of kids go by the wayside there. Um, so uh, I guess, we you know, we, we can also say that in addition, some other issues may impact a professional athlete during a career or post-career as well. And the one glaring thing that, that, that stands out to me there, which kind of started in Pittsburgh, is, you know, looking at the physical issues was Mike Webster. And, uh, you know, uh, the whole back and forth thing with the research and, uh, you know, Roger Goodell ending up, you know, in front of Congress and, uh, you know, to, talking about CTE and how much it existed, whether it existed, whether it was, you know, truly an issue. And, uh, you know, of course, drastically affecting Mike Webster's mental health. But, uh, you know, can you can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, Jeff, you know, and you've, you've been a part of this great game as I have. And there's obviously issues that can happen and can occur um, with it. Um, you know, right. I found some career ending injuries. Um, you know, we saw young Damar Hamlin go down and, you know, almost lose his life in, in, a, in a simple kind of standard tackle. And, you know, we all understand that there can be injuries that can and will occur in our sport. It's really no different than, you know, someone getting in a race car and understanding the risks involved of flying around a track at 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Uh, but what I always stress to young folks and to their parents, I said, look, you're going to give your kid a set of car keys at age 16 and not think twice about it. Um, sure, there's risk involved in playing sports and playing football. Um, the CTE issue, nobody really knows what it is until after maybe a person passes away. And obviously then it's, it's too late. I right. think we've all gone out of our way to try to make the game as safe as we possibly can. I, you know, I can comfortably say that, you know, over the last 10 years, the NFL players have really gone out of their way um, to be as safe as they can in a high flying contact sport. Right. I think it's a very respectable game right now. And, you know, very few cheap shots. Are there cheap shots? Sure. In a, in a given game, something will happen that we're not proud of. But for the most majority of the time, the guys respect and understand um, the risk and they try to minimize those risks. Is it ever going to be 100% safe? Absolutely not. And, right. you know, nobody makes anybody play the game. Again, I'm comfortable in, in knowing that we tried to do everything we could to protect our players and we grew and we learned. Um, when you and I played, you know, it was a, it was a, um, it was a symbol of pride to get the other team's color on your helmet. And, you know, we yeah, all, no doubt. you know, how misguided that action was when we were, yeah. young. we didn't know any better. 
Right. And the other thing I always tell young folks is, look, um, you know, 30 years ago, seatbelts weren't a given. Now, when you get into a into an automobile, you put that belt on because you know yeah. it's going to give you a better chance to live. So, um, do things like the CTE um, exist? Of course, they do, and we have to do our best to try to minimize that. And we also have to try to keep studying and learning about these things because sometimes. Um, we want to make sure that we're getting all the right information so as to treat the folks appropriately that are still with us. Right. Well, you know, I grew up in three days and the three day practices. And I think every one of them was in full pads. And, you know, I, I love playing. De- even though I played quarterback for my dad in high school, I love playing defense. You know, we, we're putting our face in people's numbers, man. I mean, that, you know, that's that's how we learn to tackle. You know, if you don't put your face in their numbers, you're not going to make the tackles. So, you know. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I could probably uh, – I wouldn't know how to, to do a rugby-style tackle. I, I think I'd be lost with that. But, uh, yeah, things have changed quite a bit. But now with strength and conditioning as well, you know, we've had 20-some deaths over, you know, a couple decades in the summer. And, uh, you know, hey, I mean, I, I used to run people very hard in the summer. And, uh, you know, s- someone could have went down. You know, of course, I always tried to – progress things very slowly where we wouldn't, you know, test until the end of the summer. But, you know, we've seen a lot of things in strength and conditioning there as well. So, uh, you know, and there have, there have been some, some changes by the NCAA there that are pretty significant. Yeah. I mean, um, so you have the acclimatization period in high school now and right. know, colleges do that. And again, we're all learning how to do this. Yeah. Um, but when you play this game, you have to practice this game. Um, you know, the great Tunchokin told me a long time ago, um, you know, you can't go into a boxing ring without sparring and practice about what you're going to do. So you have to prepare yourself for whatever game you're about to play. And, and that is hard work, but you know, guys like yourself, you knew how to monitor that work and learn from it and, you know, and try to give your guys the best chance they could so that they could be successful and safe at the same time. Sure. Well, I brought Tunch into Carolina a couple times, so I'm I'm very familiar with his system. And uh, the other guy that, I, of course, I want to mention because I coached at East Carolina for, you know, close to 20 years is Terry Long. And, uh, you know, uh, that was tragic as well. But, uh, you know, Terry had called me and wanted to come and, and be an assistant coach at ECU at, at one point uh, after his career. And uh, our AD – you know, of course, turned it down, which uh, I did not agree with at the time. And I I think it, it could have helped him. But uh, uh, cert- certainly remember Terry Long. He was an incredible, you know, individual. And I didn't get to coach him uh, during his career at ECU. I came there after that, but I definitely followed him. And uh, when I came up and visited Walt Evans one time at, at your camp, uh, uh, Terry was going one on one with somebody, and I think he picked him up over his head and slammed him. But you know, he was he was you know he was tough, man. Yeah, I never got to meet Terry. I was yeah. a couple times when I first got to Pittsburgh in the early 2000s, but we never got to meet. You know, and and he was a great player for the Steelers, and unfortunately, we lost him at a young age. Yeah. Well, I'm going to kind of give you my mission statement. And then, uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit about what you're doing, of course. I want to talk a lot about what you're doing. But, uh, you know, I've endeavored to start a website called armoredlife.org, you know, and put together this podcast to uh, provide perspective and possible solutions to an array of challenges uh, common to athletes. Uh, Also been talking to many highly successful people in coaching uh, pastors who were former players that I coached and uh, mental health professionals as well on the podcast to provide testimony and roadmaps to success and strategies to combat these common issues. So uh, would you please explain, you know, what you have organized along these same lines to provide, uh, you know, networking and valuable information of former Steelers? Yeah, Jeff, what we did, we back in back in May, um, we began a program, it's called Lend a Hand. And what it's designed okay. to do, it's designed to help, you know, Steeler alumni transition into life after football. As you mentioned, you know, you deal with several of your former 
you know, student athletes that have gone on to whatever careers, maybe they played football after their college days and maybe they didn't, maybe they got their degrees, maybe they didn't, maybe they had success, maybe they didn't, maybe they're having issues, maybe they're not. Uh, and we're trying to be someone for everybody, um, you know, and it's really kind of a support type system. Uh, our players after, you know, after their careers are over, they still have certain amount of benefits that's available to them. And all we're trying to do is help them navigate through uh, what is available to them. You know, we build a website that sorts everything out by their years of service and specific issues that they might be uh, wanting to find out more about because it's very confusing, overwhelming. It's sometimes, uh, you know, dial the 800 number and, you know, wait, wait in line for six hours or something along those right. lines. But, you know, what we're also trying to do is just be somebody that that player can talk to, that, you know, that former player can talk to. Um, you know, again, they're, they're, not, they're not contractually tied to the Steelers, but they're always going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, whether they were here sure. for two weeks on the practice squad or, or, you know, six Super Bowls. It doesn't matter. They were part of us. And, and really, we, we started this pre-COVID when I was still active as the GM, just because you were hearing about alums. And we kind of got together and we had a meeting, as you mentioned, you know, Greg Warren sat in on that first meeting because he was yeah. still in Pittsburgh. And right. we kicked it around a little bit and then the season started and I started traveling and we lost track and we didn't follow up enough. And then COVID hit and as, you know, as everybody knows, the world kind of went away for a few years. But you know, when I, when I retired, this was something that I wanted to do just to be able to give back to the guys that helped you in your career. And I'm sure you're doing the same thing. Uh, what we do, we have a, you know, we have a Zoom meeting once a month and we have different presenters. We've had pre presentations on mental health. We've had presentations on media opportunities. We've had pre presentations on um professional uh, opportunities within the, the health industry. Um, our upcoming presentation is going to deal with wills and living trust. Uh, even if a player has one, do they have the right one? Um, does it need to be upgraded? You know, are they covered for the unfortunate event that, um, you know, somebody passes on? As you mentioned, Jack Delaplane, nobody was expecting that. Right. Uh, he lost the great Franco Harris and, you know, it was a reminder to us that life is life's fragile and, you know, everything we can do to prevent um, those types of situations. Nobody knows when and if uh, we're going to pass on. And we, you know, that's why we're going to do this, this endeavor on the living wills. I'm sorry, the wills and the living trust. So once a month, we'll get on and we'll make a presentation. We have questions and answers. And then we, the administrative types, we get off the call. And we turn it over to the players to have the locker room back where they don't have to worry about uh, upsetting me or saying something that I might not want to hear. You just, you know, you know what it's like when you have a locker room, you know, when you can go in there, you know, when you need to get out and just let the guys talk because as much as we might want to try to help a player, um, they're going to help themselves and they're going to trust each other, uh, be it buying a house, family issues, finances, health issues. Um, when one player tells another one, they're going to believe it. And so we'd like to give them the last, you know, last 20 minutes of the meeting just to just to kick it around a little bit. So right. we've been averaging about 20 guys, 20 to 25 per meeting. I uh, want to get it up to 50. Again, it's growing. It's a little hard because everybody's all around the country. But the purpose of it, the single purpose of it, is, you know, to lend a hand and to try to help each other. And we, you know, our mission statement was based on, you know, the life of Mr. Dan Rooney, who, you know, that was his mission. Uh, again, um, he wanted to win Super Bowls. There's no question about that. But uh, again, the Rooney family uh, was was always out front trying to do things the right way. And yeah, that's all we're trying to do with this program. Gotcha. You know, I was always uh, concerned, and I guess I always valued very much, like the military does, the human, the human dimension, because the military talks about the human dimension being the, the chief incalculable, and you know, a lot of times it's a difference between uh, 
you know, victory and defeat. So, uh, you know, I was always looking for strengths or short, short uh, comings or shortfalls in three things. And, and I mentioned this on the last podcast, and those were character, consistency, and peculiarities. And uh, so, of course, a little bit different for me when I was, you know, because we're talking about working with collegiate athletes. And, of, of course, what we're trying to get them to do is, is to graduate and then, you know, be get through their collegiate career. And, of course, go from there and have some success in either a career with uh, athletics or whatever they're going to endeavor to do. Um, but, uh, you know, saw a lot of common issues. Um, but, you know, like with NFL players, for instance, probably some of the same issues. But when we go through the list of issues that they may have been experiencing during their career and possibly after their career, what comes to mind with me is, you know, marriage and relationships, uh, possibly having an ego issue, uh, uh, not doing well with uh, being coachable, uh, money, possibly gambling, uh, substance abuse, of course, uh, self-worth if they don't feel like they're getting playing time and a sense of purpose or after, of course, their career, their self-worth. Um, now, of course, we mentioned the concussion syndrome and then uh, I guess just general health. Uh, but uh, are, are these the things that you saw with regard to athletes that you have who are still on the team? Or do you have are there a few other things that you might mention or, you know? Yeah, really, it's it's all of the above, Jeff. I mean, you know, when we have our players, Coach Tomlin and, and Coach Cower before him when I was here. Uh, with both those great coaches. I mean, we talked constantly with the players. I mean, football, one thing, when they're on that field and you're trying to win, I mean, obviously that's your focus day in and day out, be it in season or off season. But, you know, it's that person under the helmet. Um, If that person inside the helmet isn't in a a great state of mind, be it mental health, uh, family, whatever, they're not going to give you what they can on the field. Uh, And what we're trying to do with this current program is to extend that to the post-career and understand that, you know, when the lights go out, um, these guys struggle. They do. And, you you know, you mentioned the military and we never, ever will equate uh, professional football with what, you know, our service folks do because the service folks, it's a life and death issue. Yeah. Um, Our guys, it's, it's a win or lose issue. Totally different. But the commonality is, um, a lot of their careers come to an end at the same time in the late 20s, early 30s. And when they walk away from the military or they walk away from the game of football, uh, there's a big part of them that thinks they still need to be out there and can be out there. And it's hard when the lights go out. Um, you're retired. I'm retired. I'm, you know, I'm learning how to live without the game in my life daily. But you know, there's, as you mentioned, there's, you know, there's, there's folks with substance abuse, uh, alcohol, mental health, family, whatever, but that's really kind of life in general. It comes to a, it comes to a forefront because they are our guys and the guys we've had success with, and maybe some had issues and maybe some didn't as they moved on, but it was, it's a big part of who they are. But that one part of just missing the lights, when the lights go out, it's a, um, it's yeah. a tough endeavor and they need to, we need to try to help them understand that, you know, if their career ended and they're 32, man, hopefully they got over half their life to live. <clears throat> and, you know, um, even if, even the guys with their money, their family, their education and their health, when the lights go out, it's hard. And we have to try to help them find their way, you know, into successful life after our game. Well, I, I totally agree. And I think it's, it's, it's not just former players, it's also former coaches as well. And, uh, you know, I know, I know when I first got out, you know, I was, uh, yeah, I, I really felt like the first thing I was thinking about is, okay, you know, uh, more time with my wife now, which I, I didn't have any chance to spend much time with my wife during my career because as a strength coach, you, you don't even get summers off. I mean, you know, you're, you're pretty much year round. 
And uh, the other thing was, is I felt like I, I didn't have enough and I didn't put enough effort into uh, my spiritual life. And so uh, what's been refreshing to me and a blessing to me since I retired is is being able because coaching, of course, is so egocentric is, at times is being able to lose myself to gain the kingdom. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I'm focusing on. But when we look at all these different problems that we talked about, the, the main solution here, in my opinion, is a spiritual life, uh, because the solution to all these problems is right there in the word. And, you know, and I'm I'm glad I'm, I'm in a, a state now where I'm not I'm not connected to a school and I can talk about this and I'm going to talk about it. And, uh, you know, and, and I talk about it every week on this on this show. But, you know, I was uh, I grew up as an older boy uh, <laughs> and uh, that kind of stuck with me, you know, uh, not as much as it should through my life. But uh, it's still there now. And you know, basically what I'm talking about is, you know, I, I still love the Lord, man. And uh, uh, that that's huge for me. And, you know, and I, I want to keep spreading the word and i want to keep emphasizing the fact that if you get into this spiritual life you know you're going to be able to solve these problems you know a lot more readily and uh you know we all know that fame does not ensure happiness yeah you couldn't you couldn't have said it any better jeff you know a lot of people don't um realize that and i know you did it in whatever you know whatever school you were working at and i've been with you know three professional football teams and before they take the field, that group of young, that group of men kneels down and says the Our Father. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm, I know they're all from different, you know, different faith backgrounds and that's okay, but they come together and it is a part of us. And, you know, I'm proud to say that we did do that. It might not be yeah. accepted in today's world, but, you know, when Coach Tomlin or Coach Cowher said, okay, everybody up, no one said a question, no one asked a question. They all know and they all prayed in their own way. You know, right. we did say a common prayer, the Our Father, but it was, you know, whether Sky said it or not, they were there together. And that that is a huge part of um, our game and, you know, our lives as we move on. Because like you said, when, it, when it's all said and done and we look around, uh, there's nothing out there. I mean, it's yeah. still, you know, our faith has, has gotten us to this point. And, you know, you know, I've been blessed to have a, you know, a great wife that's stuck by me when just like I'm sure yours did when yeah. you weren't home. And, you know, in the 38 years that I've done the personnel work, I probably spent 10 of those years away from home. And you can't make that time up. But right. that's okay. We accepted that. That's what we all chose to do. But when it ends, uh, we, we all kind of come back to our senses, I think. Yeah. Look and, you know, we understand the priorities are still there. And a big priority, uh, as is in your life, in my life, is my faith. And I try to practice my faith as best I can and, and be that example. And, you know, um, I don't, when we deal with our players, sometimes the player brings it up and sometimes we talk about it. If they don't, yeah. that's okay, too, because maybe they don't have the same understanding or beliefs that I do. And that's fine. Yeah. Um, but what we try to do is capture that human element. And a lot of time it does lead to a faith discussion. Well, there's not enough, not enough years left in my life to earn a ticket to heaven because, you know, I, uh, you know, I made so many bad decisions and bad choices through so many years. Uh, but I'm just thanking the Lord for grace and mercy. And I think that's another thing that we need to convey to former athletes is, you know, hey, this grace and mercy is free. It's a free gift. It, and, uh, yeah, it's there, no doubt. And right. again, um, sometimes when we're talking about guys and trying to help them with some issues, you know, we just we talk about that and just try to remind them that um, you know we've all made mistakes, some more than others, some more serious than others. Um, but ultimately, we don't judge; only the Lord. So. Let's try to stay together and be right in his eyes. Well, I brought a pastor on on the podcast. That, you know, if you get a chance, listen to the three part series we did on Paul and the epistles. And, uh, you know, it was this we did a wonderful job with that. But the pastor did a wonderful job. And uh, we actually prayed for a, 
uh, one of the guys that I, I coach who now has is dealing with uh, intestinal, you know, colon cancer. And uh, another former athlete from way back heard that podcast and came on and wanted to, to uh, rededicate his life to Christ right on the podcast. So we did that. And uh, that, those are the types of things that I'm, you know, I'm hungry to do. And you know, I'm, I'm just looking for opportunities, man. So, yeah. well, that that's a true blessing right there because yeah. um, you don't know. You know, sometimes you you say some things and do some things, and then someone will come up to you. Hey, I, I saw you ten years ago. I heard you speak, or I saw you at a at a school we visited together. And some of the things you told me, I you know, we still practice. And I was like, right. oh, okay, I was just you know trying to do what we normally do you know and i yeah. think um mr rooney taught us that uh he always oh, said, yeah. he always said do what's right and i would yeah. say well how do i know what's right mr rooney and he would quickly respond if i have to tell you what's right then you shouldn't be in the spot you're in. <laughs> and that you was go. just a simple reminder and you know again growing up and, and professionally around those folks and and watching how he lived his life, and as you mentioned, the chief, how they lived their lives. They were certainly great yeah. examples, and I think it's a job to pass that same kind of example on to somebody else. Absolutely. I wanted to ask you about the uh, the positions that have now evolved in the NFL called player development. And, uh, you know, when, when, I, when I graduated from my career, I was like, man, I don't know what those positions are, but I think I'd love to have one of those because it seems like, uh, you know, they uh, are doing whatever they need to do to, to help these guys, you know, navigate. And uh, so, you know, who pioneered this? Who, who was like the first team? And, and what do these guys do? You know, that came into play really in the, um, I want to say the mid-90s, the NFL started yeah. with all player programs back then. And they, they made each team have a player programs coordinator. Um, and his purpose or her purpose or their purpose was to set out and try to help guys with the off-field uh, life and the, the problems that were going to exist. And I think it's a great um, chapter. You know, all, all too often those types of things don't get talked about. But each team does have a person. They have a department that tries to help and guide these guys through um, these different life challenging aspects that are going to come up with being a professional athlete. And, you know, we always would try to sit down. Once a player made our team, we would bring in his parents or, you know, whoever was the person in their life and yeah. sit down and explain to them what their, what their son was about to enter into. Um, right. And not about what the, you know, the on the field stuff, it was the off the field stuff. Uh, you know, a million bucks ain't a million bucks. It's a lot of money, but it's 600,000, which is still a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, it's not yeah. what it may appear to be. And we're just talking through different, different life issues and try to help them. Because again, if they're not right uh, in their life, they're not going to help you win football games. Right. No doubt. Well, you know, over uh, 30 years, you know, 32 years, I think, uh, I think those 32 years, I had scouts come in and talk to me, you know, every year, uh, many, many times about the athletes. And, uh, of course, my whole thing with our guys was like, like, look, I'm not going to lie about you. You know, uh, whatever these guys ask me, I'm going to tell them exactly the truth. And, you know, you need to know what we're going to talk about. So just mentioning the things that stand out in my mind that were asked of me, you know, by many, many scouts were uh, uh, self-discipline, uh, work ethic, uh, leadership. Uh, did they have any off the field issues? Uh, did they have any children in their life that they have to support? Uh, Sometimes we talk about fatherlessness, those types of things, uh, coachability, uh, character, of course, uh, any issues with drugs, of course, and then, uh, you know, and then the tangibles. And so uh, 
asking you as a GM, you know, what were the intangibles, I guess, that I've mentioned or may, maybe some others that were most important to you as a general manager? Yeah, what we tried to do on any on any college visit or visits, you know, as you know, um, there may be three scouts, all different guys coming across, you know, East Carolina, North Carolina's campus at different times of the year, you know, just to try to get a comprehensive a viewpoint and um, you know we never get to meet the player until we get into the all-star season so yep. we have to rely on folks that can um, and will try to help us you know try to get a feel for this player but we you know it used to get distorted with all the information it would get and a few years back uh, toward the end of my career with the Steelers I just we boiled it down to four areas I want to know personal information, you know, character, family, so on and so forth. I want to know their academic situation because um, even though they may not be great students, do they work at it? Yeah. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to be a 4-0. We get that. But does that 2-5, does he, does he get the necessary help? Um, because that's going to be an indication of how he will, um, you know, be able to perform in our game. You know, we always try to figure out the football character, as you said, some of the tangible stuff. Give me some weightlifting information. Give me some practice habits, opinions. Give me some team aspect uh, of that player. You know, I often told players when I go to a game, um, I'm watching the sidelines as much as I'm watching the field because I want to see how you react when you throw an interception, when you make a big catch, when you make the sack. I want to see how you're talking to your coaches on the sideline, how you're talking to your teammates. That was a very, very important part of it, that football character. And then we try to get into the, you know, any off-field uh, type of issues. Yeah. Um, that, that really, you know, in the later years with the internet, most of that stuff became common, um, public information. And really, I never like to put people who weren't responsible for that in a place where I would ask them those types of questions, because a lot of it's protected information we were not supposed to ask about anyway. Right. But a lot of it is common knowledge because it's public information. But, you know, is there something off the field that we have to be aware of, uh, be it the type of people this, this player may hang out with, so on and so forth. So we just built that resume that background resume over not only one visit, um, but as many as we could. And then we'd sit down and talk to the player themselves when we had access to them after their seasons were over. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing, you know, and you know, Hey, I went to college and played football in the seventies. And of course, you know, marijuana was everywhere there. I mean, uh, even back that far back, uh, you know, I saw some people using it every day, you know, I mean, uh, guys that were on our team, whatever. Uh, so, you know, you had that, that controversy that went back even that far, as far as does this hurt you? Does it, you know, I don't even know if anybody thought that it, it would help you. Actually, some people think it helps you now, of course, but uh, that was the biggest thing that I saw through my coaching career is so many guys that, lost their scholarship that were no longer on the team because they kept testing positive uh, for using marijuana. And, uh, you know, so what is, what, what's the deal now in the league? I, I know that there's testing like every week, right? Oh yeah. The players are still subject to um, testing. Um, it's not weekly unless they, you know, unless they unfortunately maybe do test positive. Right. Um, but there's there is testing. Obviously, it's not as stringent as it used to be. I'm not even yeah. current with what they, they do um, since I've left. Right. But, you know, in any sport, in any delve of, uh, in any walk of life, there's rules. Right. Uh, be it summer, maybe have changed over time. And we have to stay current with the rules and we have to stay within the rules, whatever they are, because. Again, we always viewed playing as a privilege, um, yeah. working in the NFL. You know, we were subject to the same types of rules, and um, we understood that. You understand and accept that as part of your life. So whatever rules are in place, um, you know, be it for drugs, alcohol, you know, personal behavior, the personal conduct policy, we're all subject to the same 
uh, deal. So again, we never tried to ask somebody else to be beyond what we was expected of ourselves. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I literally, I mean, I always believe that, you know, marijuana can do absolutely nothing for you to make you a better athlete. And I still believe that. So, I mean, you know, uh, I, you know, I felt bad for the guys that, that went by the wayside, but at the same time, you know, they, they knew, you know, what, what the consequence was. So, uh, you know, it's some, some schools had different kind of a different rules than others in-house. So that was got to be a little bit confusing at times, you know, uh, so, uh, but, uh, so, um, I guess what I want to ask you is also is what advice would you give a collegiate athlete to optimize his value in relationship to his potential to be an NFL player? Well, you know what? I always um, advise the guys, look, do what you can for your current team, whatever level of college football you're playing, um, put everything you can into making your team successful. And then by doing that, you're going to make yourself, you know, as good as you can be. And hopefully there's some, there's some attributes in there that might be identifiable as, Hey, this guy could be an NFL player. I don't believe, and I don't like when people go in with the purpose of I'm going to be an NFL player and I'm going to do it at the expense of my team. I don't, I don't right. endorse that. I don't like it. Um, and it, it really sometimes in trying to be an individual, you lose sight of the team and you, you hurt yeah. the individual. And it's, it sounds cliche and that's okay because I believe that. You go in and you try to help your team be the best they can be. And a lot of times when you do that, um, the personnel people that are watching you, like I said, I'm watching that sideline and who's helping his team win. And I, you know, cause I want that guy on my team. Um, when it's time to make a selection. So do what you can for your team and uh, make yourself the best individual for your team's purpose. And a lot of times it's going to end up being a positive result. It could end up into a professional career. Yeah. You have to be unselfish. I mean, that's, that's huge. You know, be a team player for sure. Um, you know, there's there's a kid that comes to mind to me right now that, I'm, you know, that kind of contacted me to do a little bit of speed work with. This kid had played quarterback here at East Carolina the last, I don't know how many years now. It seems like about eight years he's been here. But uh, definitely one of the most unselfish people that I've, that I've ever seen in relationship to, you know, his commitment to the team, his toughness and so forth. And, uh, um, you know, really a pleasure to be able to see, still see kids like that, that really are giving it up for the team. Uh, you know, and somebody also comes to, comes to mind that I came across, you know, who was, who ended up being my kind of part-time assistant in the weight room for a while is Jerry Osowski and, uh, you know, Carolina. And, uh, I don't know how he fell into that duty back then, but, uh, uh, the, uh, how's Jerry doing? Jerry's okay. You know, he, he's no longer with the team. Okay. But Jerry was a great, you know, he was a great teammate when we worked together. Yeah. Um, you know, Jerry, Jerry loved the game of football and he, um, he made himself into a great, you know, NFL player. And, and honestly, you know, Jerry probably when in, in college, he probably weighed 220 pounds. And, you know, he's playing a big man's game and, you know, yeah. he wasn't the fastest, but Jerry was very smart and he was very tough and he gave everything he can. And when he coached with us, he did the same types of things. I mean, Jerry yeah. was a very cerebral, been there, done that. Hey, look, this is what you probably need to do because if you don't, it's not going to be a good result. And when Jerry spoke that, he was talking from experience and, you yeah. know, I respected and, and love Jerry O for what, you know, the way he lived that game because it was a huge part of his life. Right. Now, I really enjoyed getting to know Jerry. You know, what a great guy. And, uh, you know, what, what a prime example of overachievement to the rest of the world, you know, uh, yeah. through toughness. <laughs> oh, yeah. And to get into the game, you know, 
I mean, he wasn't a strength coach by trade, but that was his avenue in. And I'm sure when, when you did have him, he gave you everything he had in that endeavor. And then, of course, he moved on into, you know, coaching on the field. But um, Jerry took pride in everything he did. Yeah. Well, Jerry would ride his bike through traffic every day. And I... I... <laughs> he still... He still does. <laughs> yeah. Uh well, tell me what you think makes a great scout. Uh, I think a great scout, like I mentioned, I think we can all identify football talent. Um, we can watch a game. We can watch practice. We can watch film. Um, to me, that's not the hard part. The hard part is trying to figure out uh, what's inside the helmet and what's inside that jersey. Because honestly, the mistakes that, that I made uh, in my scouting career is when I misjudge the hearts and the smarts. And those parts are hard to figure out because you can't measure them. I can time a 40. I can get how many times a guy bench presses, um, but I can't measure his heart and his, and his smarts. And those are two huge parts of, of the game. And it, it's a huge part of what we try to identify. Um, and that's, you got to constantly work at it and trust what you're seeing and feeling about a player. Right. Well, and you also had a Dan Rooney scout, correct? Oh, yeah. Dan's still there. <laughs> I give yeah, Dan I that Willie Parker because Dan had actually known Willie from – Dan was coaching. I forget the name of the high school. Um, yeah. Dan, Dan's school played against Willie, and he knew Willie in high school. And, of course, when he moved on into his career at Carolina, Dan had a leg up on everybody. So, Dan – Dan, uh, uh, Willie Parker is definitely Dan's find. Well, I really miss Dan the scout because he'd always bring me Steeler gear, and I miss that Steeler gear. So if you see him, tell him he, he needs to make up about four years now and send me some gear. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, so yeah, kind of a question for you here. Uh, how frequently were you forced to release people for sheer discipline and uh, behavioral issues? Was that common? Was it not common? Was it not common because of the way Steelers handled handled things? Uh, I mean, uh, how often did you see those situations? Um, situations would pop up um, from time to time. Sometimes it became a league issue and we had no choice. Um, and sometimes it was an internal issue that we tried to manage within. Right. Uh, oh, but again, we, we were subject to all the rules of the NFL. Right. Uh, rules on suspensions, so on and so forth. But again, anytime, you know, if, if somebody did get outside the lines, we tried to help them get back inside the lines and find their way. And, and again, I think we're both trying to do that even beyond uh, what it was, because back then, if those those players were probably helping you win some games. Sure. Uh, Try to help them, you know, find their way in the next phase of life. Sure. Uh, yeah, that's it's interesting to me. Um, you know, in relationship to uh, some of the coaches that I know, of course, that have been into the league, and some of the stories they have told, and you know, and uh, it seems like some organizations are a little bit uh, more effective there. Maybe than others, but I think winning and losing has a big part of that. Also, you start losing games. I mean, you know, a lot of things happen. So, you know, they do. But again, you 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 know, again, being part of the Steelers for 22 years and reflecting on what Mr. Rooney taught us, um, right. do things the right way, and yeah. you know, understand. Now we want to win Super Bowls, and we're going to try to win Super Bowls, but we're going to do it within the rules and trying to be good people. Uh, while doing so. Well, I, you know, I always observed and, and thought that, uh, you know, uh, the ownership, the coaches of the Pittsburgh Steelers always treated people right. And, uh, and the players that I got to know, you know, always talked about how people treated each other right within the team as well. So, you know, I, I tip my hat to the Pittsburgh Steelers where that's concerned. And, uh, I'm sure a lot of that had to do with, with, with you. <laughs> well, you know, and, and again, I mentioned who was my, who was my mentor getting into this and, you know, Ron passed away, but 
Ron always taught us too, hey, don't expect extra credit for doing what you're supposed to do. So yeah, we, that's right. There you go. Hey, look, we're, we know what we're supposed to do and we're going to give it our, our best shot. Yeah, great stuff. Now, have you considered uh, the possibility of uh, touring the country possibly and uh, maybe some of the major college programs and speaking to these issues? You know what, Jeff? Really, we just kind of, you know, my wife and I, we sat back and yeah. took a year away from the game. You know, we didn't, uh, I didn't scout anybody, would watch games on TV because fortunately my wife's a great football fan as well. But, you know, we didn't delve into too much just because we wanted to sit back and, and, and let life come to us for a while. So as we sure. move on, again, doing what I'm doing with the, with the former players is great. I'll still visit practice once a week just to, you know, show my face and help out where I can. If, if coach or, you know, our new GM Omar Khan has a question, I can be there for him. But right, uh, right now we're, we're just living life and we're very yeah. fortunate. We have our health. We have, we have six beautiful grandchildren that we get to spend time with. And as you mentioned, you know, we're finding life after the game and, yeah. We're age, none of us know. Um, we're just kind of taking it one phase at a time and enjoying it while we can. Yep, had a grandbaby at my house today. My son just had a little, little, little baby girl, and uh, it was wonderful. Congrats. Yeah, yeah, this is his first one. It's, uh, you know, it, it was just wonderful. Uh, so uh, one more question, because we just got a few more minutes, but uh, tell me what you love about Pittsburgh. You know what, as I mentioned before, Jeff, I mean, and you knew it, you know it too, because you live it. Um, we both still have our Pittsburgh accents, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah. I travel around the country. I remember the first time I met you, I said, all right, what part of Pittsburgh are you from? Because we have a distinct accent. And, yeah. But it's a common, um, it's just a common good area. It really is. I and mean, you can't explain it if you're not from here. Right. Uh, and again, the sports are such a huge part of it. I was at a high school basketball game last night because it's high school basketball playoff. And I was with yeah. an old coach, Matt Ferjanic, who I you know, was fortunate enough to work with at Robert Morris College. So right. sports are such a big part of this fabric. The work ethic that we all kind of grew up under is such a big part of this fabric. The faith-based, you know, Pittsburgh's a very faith-based community. Yeah. Well, so I just think it's just that you and I know each other, whether we know each other or not. You know what I mean? That first time yeah. we met, we could talk about, you know, whatever, because we have that commonality of being from this area. And it's a great area. And I'm very proud to be from here. And we enjoyed living here to this day. And yeah, uh, it's a special place. It really is. Um after I get off this call tonight, I'm going to be watching the Penguins because that's hockey <laughs> season. It's getting yeah. near the playoffs. So it, it is. It's fun. But it's Pittsburgh. And yeah. yeah, I don't know if we can define it, but it's a special place and fortunate to be part of it. Well, my best friends in the world are from back home, all the way back to high school, you know, and uh, our, our friendship has been very strong. And, you know, it's uh, – because of that blue collar mentality. And, you know, it's just, uh, hey, let me tell you something, man. It was tough for me to leave grandma. It was tough for me to leave leave my family, go somewhere else in the country and coach. And, you know, there's there's a lot of folks that don't want to leave the area. But uh, I was happy to leave the cold. I'll, I'll admit that, you know, I I had no desire to go back to the cold. But uh, Yeah, and you yeah. know what? I mean, that's a big part. I mean, you mentioned the family. And, you know, we all had Sunday dinners at 1 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Or usually 12.30 because the Steelers were playing at 1. <laughs> that's right. But we had that, that commonality. And even though a lot of folks had to leave Pittsburgh um, when, the, when the mills start shutting down, they had to leave to find work. Yeah. And that's a big part of why we have Steelers fans all around the country. But, again, it's just that identification of this area and the, and the uh, standards and qualities that were part of living here. They, they don't yeah. leave you. No matter where you go, you're still going to be from Pittsburgh. Well, my two grandfathers spent exactly 100 years in the coal mine. They both started at age 12. I worked in the steel mill in the summer when I was in high school. And uh, 
all that stuff is never going to leave my memory. Uh, you know, my grandfathers were uh, the very best. Uh, so uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. I'd uh, love to stay in touch on, with you on these issues and see, you know, what, what direction I can go to, to keep uh, impacting some young men. And uh, I really have a lot of respect for what you're endeavoring to do right now. You know, uh, maybe someday I'll see you around Pittsburgh. You got it, Jeff. Just reach out. If you come up this way, I'll try to do this. I get down to Greenville. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. And uh, <clears throat> uh, this is Jeff Connor signing off for Absolute Empowerment. Uh, God bless, and we'll see you next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Absolute Empowerment with Coach Jeff Connors on the Sports Objective. Join us every Monday night for a new edition of the show. Listen to the show pretty much everywhere podcasts are found. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Sports OBJ on Twitter and TikTok, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. As always, we appreciate you listening to the show. And go Pirates!